Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We'll turn to John 21. That's what I want to preach on today. And um, let's read. Let's read from verse 15. And this is, this is Jesus after he's, after he's risen again from the dead and he's meeting Peter at the beach and it's a time of restoration for him. But here it is in verse 15, it says, So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he'd asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, the one who had leaned on his breast at supper and said to him, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, said to him, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This, then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say that he would not die. But if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You know, this is a, an amazing passage in the Bible where Peter, the one who denied Jesus in his greatest hour three times, that Jesus not only forgives him but comes to meet with Peter and comes to restore him, where Jesus comes and meets us. And it's a wonderful message of the mercy and the love and the 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 love that knows no bounds for us, that doesn't just wait for us to make the first move, but Jesus came to Peter. And it's a great message. But in that, there is, at the end, you see here, that Jesus is restoring Peter. And as he's walking along the beach with Jesus, and as he's having this defining moment in his life, where he is now going to, as we see in the book of Acts, he's going to recommit his life to the Lord, and he's going to powerfully bring thousands to the Lord and, and bring the gospel to to continents that have never heard it before. And it's, it's a, this is a great um, point, turning point in his life of a recommitting to Jesus. But even then, he turns around and he looks at John and he said to Jesus, but what about this man? And then Jesus says, he says, if I will that he, he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And what I really felt from God to, to preach today was that there is no room for comparison when we walk with God. There's no room for looking at other people and comparing our lives with others and assessing how others are doing and how they're not doing and all these things. When we are to walk with Jesus, he says, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I've called them to do. I'm, what I'm asking you to do is to follow me. And that is the message for us today. It's not, it's not about what others are doing or what they're not doing. It's not about how we compare to them, how we stack our lives up to them. But Jesus has a different calling for you than he might have for me. But what he's asking you to do is to be obedient with what he's asked you to do. 
He's not asking you to be obedient to what someone else is saying. He's asking you to be obedient with, with what he's given you. And that is the call for our life. Jesus said, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I've got for his life. It doesn't matter. what I've, I'm not asking you to, to look at their life. I'm asking you to obey and follow me. And that's, and that's the call for us today. You know, we have so many Christians today that we know, we know about what other leaders are doing. We know about where they're going wrong. We know about the other people in church, where they're going wrong, what they need to sort out, what other churches, the big scandals, or what they're doing right, or all these things. And yet, when we say, when we say you know, what's God's will for my life, we, we know so little about it. But we know so much about what other people should be doing. We know so much about what, where they're going wrong, but we know so little about the condition of our own hearts. We know so little about what God actually has determined for our lives. And how is this the way when Jesus said to, to Peter, Peter's having this great conversion and yet still he can't, can't get out of his own way where he has to then talk about other people. How is it that we can be in the house of God and like, like Ruth was saying, we're having an amazing time worshiping God and then we want to talk about other people? You want to talk about me? You want to talk about other people? What are we doing here? What's, what's going on when we are... We're called to follow Jesus. We can be worshiping God. We can be learning from him. And instead, we can get distracted and talk about where others are going and what they're doing and know so little about ourselves and what God's called us to do. It is a great distraction. It's a great distraction. And, and sure, there, there are definitely people that we can learn from and be inspired by. I'm not saying to be stubborn and hard-hearted and just have the kind of tunnel vision. But, but at the same time, it's not that we just continuously look to other people. We're not here to follow others. We're here to follow Jesus, and he has the calling for our lives, and he has determined the path that we should walk, and he goes before us. And it's not for us to, to compare with one another. You know, what God has called you to do will be something different to what God's called me to do, and if I tried to do what you were doing, I'd, I'd mess it up. I'd be, you know, there's some creative people, there's some people in this room that, man, if you asked me to do anything creative, it would be the most black and white boring thing possible. Like, thank goodness I'm not called to do some of these things, you know? But God has called us to, all of us, to unique things. And even though there are fundamental things that we can all learn from and that we should all adhere to, there are specific things and nuances in all of our lives that God has specifically designed for us. And it's not to compare with other people. And like Jesus said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I've purposed for them. I'm asking you to follow me. I'm not asking you to benchmark your life with someone else. And again, what we see in this verse here is, is, is that we can't compare with other people and follow Jesus at the same time. You know, Jesus said, it doesn't matter, you follow me. In other words, you can't stand here talking about John and follow me as well at the same time. It's got to be one or the other. It can't be we're just talking about other people and where, what they're doing and what's happening with them and you, and you obey me at the same time. It has to be one or the other. And Jesus said, you follow me. You know, there's a wonderful promise in Ephesians 2.10. And it says um, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God has already prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Speaking about how God is, that we are, we are being formed and molded and shaped in Christ by God himself. And that he has works prepared for our lives, that he has already prepared the works that we are to do in our lives. And he's prepared it before we even get there, but for us to go and do it. It's that God has uniquely shaped our lives and he's uniquely shaped our, our purpose and our, our destiny and what we're called to do on this earth. And it's not about what other people are doing. You know, there's things that we can learn from for sure, but it's not about comparing ourselves. And that's not the standard either. That's the standard of our lives isn't what other people are doing. The standard is what has God called me to do and am I living in obedience to it? Am I being faithful in it? That's the standard. The standard isn't each other.
You know, these are, the, these are the questions we should be asking. You know, what do the scriptures say and how does that align with my life? What does God determine for my life? What is, what is God's will for me? And am I living in that? What are the things in my life that God loves? What are the things in my life that I know displeases him? How can I get rid of those things? How can I please God? You know, these are the questions we should be asking as opposed to what everyone else is doing or what's going on in their lives. You know, these are the things that, that God wants us to, to really challenge and, and grapple with and, and, and learn from. You know, if I, um, if I go on a, a date with Hannah, which at the moment is super rare with Micah around, if anyone's volunteering to uh, babysit, you've got my attention, all right? But if I, go on a, if I go on a date with Hannah, and if the whole time we're on the date, she's talking, you know, we're talking about the table next to us, we're talking about this person, that person, you know, okay, we've spent time, we've been on a date, I've spent 80 to 100 pounds for the pleasure of it, but at the, same, at the end of the day, when we go home, there's, there's nothing that goes home with that, there's nothing that develops our relationship from that, there's nothing that develops us romantically, there's nothing that drives us forward in terms of what's our purpose as a family, as a couple, individually. You know, we've just, we've just talked about our people. There's nothing to take home from that, really. And the same as it is with the Lord. If, we, if we're just spending our time talking about other people and what's going wrong here or what needs to be fixed here and what they need to do and what they've gone wrong, it's like, okay, fine. But, I mean, it hasn't, hasn't deepened anything with you. You haven't, you, haven't sought, you haven't settled anything with God on your own account. And it's like it just ends up just being wasted time. But then in our pride, we think that, oh, no, we're talking about really deep things. We're, talk, we're doing great things here by having these discussions. But what, what is it? What's the fruit of it? We, just, we've just, we know where other people have gone wrong, but we haven't ever dealt with anything on our own account. And that's what Jesus said. He said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I've called them to do. I'm calling you to follow me. And, that's, the, and that's, the, that's all it is in our life. That is the Christian life, is to obey God in faith, in love, in humility, in longevity, and, just in, and to look at the words of Jesus in totality and believe it and walk out in it. That's what God has called us to be. Not all this other extra stuff, all, all these other bits on the side that can so easily entrap us and distract us. And sometimes it's in that comparison, it can be comparison good, it can be comparison bad when we're saying, you know, we're better than them or we're worse than them or whatever. But sometimes it's also a benchmarking thing as well. Sometimes we justify our lives based on the lives of others. We go, well, they're doing this, so therefore that's fine. Or they're, I'm doing better than them in that area, so really that means my life's fine. And again, that's not, that's not the standard. That's not the Christian life. That's not what Jesus has called us to. You know, I titled this message... Um, I had a title for this message. I was going to put it on a slide, but I just don't do PowerPoint, so excuse me for that. But I had a title for the message, and it was, Others Can, But You Can't. And it basically, it's like, it doesn't really matter what other people are seemingly getting away with. It doesn't really matter if you think other people are taking shortcuts or getting an advantage or getting recognition where you're not, or you're doing work. It doesn't matter what other people seem as permissible. We have to have these fundamental things in our life where we go, do you know what? These are non-negotiables in my life. There are things that we can learn from. I'm not saying to be stubborn or unteachable at all. Please don't get this the wrong way. We've got a lot of things. There's plenty of people in this church where I've learned a lot from and mended my life a little bit to kind of align with that. I'm not saying, but there's got to be some things in our life where we go, do you know what? This is an immovable thing. This isn't, this isn't up for debate. This isn't up for challenging or critiquing. This is something that I'm going to do until the day I die. And this, this is fundamental to me. You know, it was like Joshua. When Joshua was speaking to the people of Israel, and we all know the famous verse, and I'll say it in a sec. 
But he was, he was laying out kind of, kind of the gauntlet for them, but in terms of like a, kind of this, this defining moment for them as a nation. He said, what are we going to do? Are we either going to follow the Lord wholly? Are we going to serve him and worship him and him alone? Or are we going to go to the other nations? Are we going to kind of settle in amongst them, worship their gods, do the things that they want to do, go the way they go, do all the, mold our lives to shape how they do it? But then Joshua says at the end, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, it doesn't really matter what your vote comes down to. I, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm pleading for you. And, and even as leaders today, we, we pray for you guys as a church. And it's not to dismiss that at all. But to be honest, it doesn't really change how my life's going to go. And like Joshua was saying, if you guys all decide to go and worship another God, that's, that's not going to change how we, we as a house, we're going to serve the Lord. And there's got to be things in our life where it goes, it doesn't matter what the, the, the opinion of the masses is. It doesn't matter what the voting comes down to. But I know I've got this holy conviction from the Lord that I've got to live this way. And this isn't, this isn't going to be moved. This isn't going to be altered. No one can come and dissuade me or debate me out of it. This is, this is it. This is my life. This is how we're going to do it. And may that be for us as well. May that be for us as a church that we're not defined as a church by how other churches are doing or not doing. Even though there are plenty of things we can draw from and be inspired from. But our goal as a church might be different from another church's goal. It's not a bad thing. But the goal is, at the end of our lives, it will be Jesus will say, like, have you been obedient to me? That's what would define our lives. It won't be, how have you done in comparison to that other person? It's be like, what have you, have you obeyed and have you lived out what I've asked you to? And that's the call. That's the call for our lives. And that's the thing. You know, even Eliana was amazing what she was preaching last week. But, like, we have to be prepared. We can't just let situations come, come and go and we just act on the spur of the moment. We have to have things in our life where we have determined beforehand, if this were to come about, I know what my response will be. It can't be that we just live a life of just spontaneous where we just go with the flow. It has to be, no, these are things where I'm always going to have this answer. This is always going to be my default. In some areas, we've got to have these principles, these values in our life that shape our character where these are immovable. You know, that's the, that's the root word of the word disciple is, is Discipline. Even though it's not a, a glamorous thing or a cool thing to talk about, there should be some discipline in our lives where actually there are some things here that it, this is the way it goes and this is how it will always go. And it's important to have that discipline. It, it molds you, it shapes you, and it, it helps define your life. It really does determine the way you go down. Without discipline, it can go into chaos and just, you're just fluid. You just, you just change at, at the whim. It's important to have these things. You know, for me in my life personally, I've been, man, I'm trying to think. I haven't had alcohol for about four years now, nearly four years now. And there were a few reasons for that. But one of the main reasons was I had, um, I had a stepdad who was a secret alcoholic. And then it kind of all came out. And then really a few months later, and he, he actually died because of it. And it was, a, it was an awful time. It was a traumatic time. And um, it was a terrible thing. And when we found out that he was an alcoholic, I just, I said, you know what, why am I... Do you know what? I'm never going to touch this stuff again. And, I'm, and I've had Christians, I've had people tell me that drinking alcohol is fine and things are fine. And I'm not, I'm not here to, to talk about that, really. It wasn't really about what other Christians were doing for me. It wasn't really about what other leaders are or aren't doing. I was just saying, you know, this has been in my family, this has happened, and I'm going to make absolutely sure that it never touches me or my home. And if that means making a little sacrifice, well, it's a far greater reward. Like, this is... 
I don't, I don't really care what other Christians are doing. I don't really, you don't really have to try and convince me out of this. I, you just got to determine that actually this is just something I'm not going to touch. And I'm not going to let this in my home. It doesn't, I don't really care what other people do. Not in a mean way. I'm not trying to belittle anyone. But I'm just saying you've got to have these things in your life where actually, you know what? I know the weaknesses in my life. I know what's happened in my family and, or, or in people around me or in the setting I'm in or whatever. And actually, I'm going to make sure that that can never infiltrate, that can never get involved in me in my family, in my heart. And we've got to have some things in our life where, do you know what, this is fundamental. For me, that's something that just will never be moved. It's not up for debate. It's not up for reasoning. It's not up for having a discussion about it. It's just not going to happen. And there will be things in your lives as well where you know there are tendencies. You know there are things there. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's those around you where you go, actually, I have to be so on the other side to make sure that that doesn't even get close. And that's fine, and God, and God wants that. And there'll be times when you're reading the Word, or you're in prayer, or you're speaking to someone, and you have that conviction from God, where you know, actually, there's a certain thing in my life that actually we need to sort this thing out. And you sort that thing out. And it's not, and if other people want to come and dissuade you from it, well, it's not, it's not about that. God has said it. God has spoken this, and, and God has purposed this for my life. And I'm not, I'm not here to move away from this. This is something that was set in stone, and will continue to be. You know, there are, some, there are some parents in this church, and, you know, I won't say their names because I haven't asked them, so, and anonymous, you know. But um, there are parents in this church. I remember when I first joined the church when I was, man, like 19 or 20. Um, I remember seeing these parents and they had their kids, and I was like, oh, man, they're a bit, they're a bit strict to their kids, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. That's a bit much. By the way, me as a 19 and 20-year-old, if you want to know how to live the Christian life, you just look at that and do, like, a total 180, and you're probably in the perfect will of God, all right? So... Trust me at 19 to think I know everything about parenting and how to live the Christian life, right? I knew the opposite. But anyway, I remember I was going, oh, man, that's a bit much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that, you know, with, with me and all my wisdom, you know? Um, but then you, you look at the kids now, you look at the parents now, and you're like, man, these kids are so well-rounded. They love God. They're serving. They're, they love Jesus. They're, they're such a blessing to those they're around. And it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe at the times other people would have gone like, yeah, you know what, they're a bit strict or, oh, man, I wouldn't do that. But it's not really up for, it's not a vote. It's not really up for discussion. This is actually, this is how we're going to run this home. And this is, this is how the Lord's determined it. And I'm not, I'm not here to put this up for a debate. There are some things in our lives where it has to be actually, no, this isn't up for discussion. The Lord has determined this and I want to honor what God has given me and, and, you know, you can tell me how you're doing things, but this is how I'm doing it. This is how God has called me to, and this is the conviction we have as a family, and, like, this isn't, this isn't up to be moved. And, you know, and that's for us as well. Whether we're single, whether we're in a family, whatever, I would really encourage you to actually sit down and write, write down some values. Maybe pray and, and read the Word and ask God and actually write down some values and say, do you know what, this is who we are. This is what the character is going to be of our home. This is what the character is going to be of our hearts. And this is how we're going to respond in these situations. It doesn't have to, it might not be every single iteration of every scenario ever faced in life. It's not going to be that. But it might be actually some foundational things. You know, me, the alcohol thing, right? Obviously, there'll be work events or people or non-Christian, whatever. Sure, it'll be a bit awkward sometimes. But man, like, what a door where I can actually talk about Jesus and talk about why I do the things that I do. It's important for us to know the why behind the things we do. And we're not just floating around and just doing things and just going through the motions. What is the purpose of why we do this? What is the purpose why we're here? Why is it that we do these things? Why is it that we live this life the way we do? 
It's important to actually have that, that predetermined purpose that this is why we live like this. This is why we go in the steps we do. It's like Eliana was saying, it's good to prepare. It's good to be prepared beforehand and to prepare our lives. You know, in David, in the Psalms, there's a scripture, I can't remember it now, but he says, he says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And that's a wonderful word, but it's like, not only am I reading your word, but I'm letting your word come deep into me where actually the word is now forming my character and my being so it, I can't sin against you. It's not just something that I'm speaking out and declaring, not, nothing wrong with declaring, but it's actually, I'm letting that word actually mold me and make my being that I can't sin against you. I can't even go against this because now this is who I am. It's a much deeper thing than just reading the word where we actually invite God to, to shape us and to make us who we are that we can't sin against him. It's a wonderful word that when David was saying that. And so often when Jesus says, follow me, it can, it can strike at the core of things. It can strike, it can directly oppose why we're doing things. I, I've had so many times in my life where God has challenged me and I have to sit back and I go, do you know what? The reason why I've done that is just because I've always done that. It's not necessarily because it was a godly thing. It wasn't necessarily, it's just because that's the way I've done things. And so often there are things in our life where we're just doing it because we're doing it. But there isn't really a reason behind it, and there isn't a godly reason behind it. But then Jesus says, you know, well, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't even matter if you're doing that because other people have done that, and you've seen them do it. But Jesus said, no, 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 you follow me. It's not about following other people. It's not about following the masses. It's following Jesus and what he's defined for our lives. If you want to go to Romans 12, I'm going to read, a, again, a very famous passage that I'm sure all of you could read out to me off by heart. If you go to Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. It says here, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, we've heard this scripture before, and it's a famous scripture, and for good reason. It's a, it's a wonderful call of actually living a life obedient to God and letting God's word and God's spirit renew our minds, and that his will will then be realized in our life. Like, it's a, it's a wonderful promise of how the will of God doesn't have to be an abstract thing, but it can be a lived out thing in our everyday life when we allow him to transform our minds. But also the other thing it says here is, is not to be conformed to this world, not to be molded by what other people and what other things are doing, but letting God's word and letting God and his spirit and who he is, letting him transform your mind. Not just doing things because other people are doing them, but actually doing things because that's what God is saying and what God is shaping in us. You know, again, this is like what Jesus said to Peter. He said, you know, why does it matter what I do with John and what I've purposed for John? You follow me. You follow me. You know, don't, don't be conformed to how everyone else is doing things. Let, let Jesus transform your mind. And then you, you will see the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God in your life. Let Jesus define your life. Let Jesus define your character. Let Jesus define who you are and and how you respond, and how you operate. You know, there are so many things in our life, and I really feel called recently, and convicted recently, there's so many things that we just need to recalibrate on. 
things that we have determined that just were never in the scriptures, never something to determine, where we have, we have defined things that God has never used that as the measuring stick in our lives. And it says here, you know, it's not about what, what other people or other leaders or whatever, but it's about what Jesus is saying. And not just to follow the pattern of others, not just to follow the pattern of this world, but to actually follow what he's saying and letting, him, and letting his will become manifest in our lives. You know, we can, if I were to speak freely, it would be, you know, even in churches, why is it that the determinant of the success of a church is by how many people are here on a Sunday? And the inverse of that, if I can challenge it, especially in England, why is it that a small church is seen as more holy than a big church? Why is it if you have a big church, well, that's a problem, but it's nice and small, well, that's what God likes. When was size ever the, the factor alone in whether it's successful? Now, will God add to things? Sure, that's in the book of Acts, right? I'm not saying that, but when was size in and of itself the determinant of whether that's successful in God's eyes? Whether it's big or small, what's that got to do with it? Is God pleased with it? You know, these, these are different things, different things. Why is it in churches when we have celebrities or people with great careers or with great wealth or assets, why are they given great influence in a church rather than those who are praying, those who are praying for the lost souls, those who are interceding, those who are speaking and ministering to people in their everyday lives? Why aren't those the people that are elevated? Why is it the people that have the nice jobs and the nice titles and the nice life? Why is that, why is that the determinant of a successful or a great man or woman of God? Why have we moved things? Why have we moved the goalposts? I'd much rather a praying church than a, than a paying church, you know? You know, I was convicted one time. I was speaking to um, some pastors and ministers in Brazil, and they were talking about um, planting churches. And you know, in England, the one, way, the, the one word for planting a church is fundraising, fundraising, fundraising. It is about getting the money in, making sure we've got enough resources and enough money to plant a church. And I was speaking to these uh, ministers in Brazil, and they were saying, we would not dare plant a church unless we had spiritual covering and a church that was sending us and interceding and praying for us. That is the only thing that would determine if we plant a church or not. But for us, we will, in England, hey, we'll, we'll ordain ourselves. We'll do some 12-week online course, call ourselves a minister. We'll, as long as we've got the money behind us, then we can plant a church. It doesn't really, if you can pray for us, great, but that's not even a secondary or tertiary thing. The main thing is, have I got the money? Have I got the resources? And then we plant a church. When was that ever the, when was that ever the, how you plant a church? That was never in the book of Acts. They pray, they fast, they seek God, and then God will tell them the man they send out. But here we ordain ourselves. They said out there in Brazil, they said, you know what? Hey, look, money, I'm not saying money isn't important, right? Like, we should give. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to belittle that. But they were saying, do you know what? The number one thing is, have we got spiritual covering? Have we got people that are sending us out and interceding and praying for us? Have we been ordained by someone else? Not are we ordaining ourselves and, bank, and having someone to bankroll it. But again, it's, it's just we've, we've moved the goalposts. We've shifted things. When God has never, God never determined it to be that way. I'll say another thing as well, and then I'll stop, because I'm not going not to challenge too much. But why is it in most churches, I'm not saying this church, I'm not saying you, don't worry. Why is it in most churches that the leaders of life groups, or home groups, or cell groups, are the people that have the biggest and the nicest houses and the most room to host? Why is that the determinant? If you've got a nice enough home, then you should lead the life group. 
Nothing about how you're mature in your walk with God, how you are willing to disciple people, whether it's actually the leaders have prayed and they've gone, you are the person that's to take this group. Why is it about how nice of a home you've got? Who cares if you've got a one-bed flat and we're sitting on the floor? But if God has ordained you, if the leaders have ordained you, if, you have, if, if it's God's purpose and you're mature and you know why you've been called to this and you're carrying it out diligently, why is that not the standard? Why is it other things that just don't matter? And we, we take these things that are godly and we just slowly over time, we kind of start shifting and shifting and shifting and then all of a sudden it's become this totally different thing and we just do it because, well, that's how we've always done it. It's not, it's not, not necessarily a, a conscious decision. Now it's a subconscious thing. We, we just do it because that's how we've always done things. You know, I'm not saying these things, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying these things to be mean or whatever. I'm, God, you know, God has challenged me. I'm a leader here as well, so you can point the finger at me, right? That's fine. But what I'm saying is some things we, we get convicted on. And actually, what does God's word say about this? What does God himself say? Rather than, rather than the thing of churches, all these other questions, but actually, is God pleased with what we're doing? Is God pleased with the service? Is God pleased with what I'm saying? Is God pleased with how we're doing things? That's, that's the main question. It's not about all these other things. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle these other things, but really in the light of following Jesus, they, they, are, they are way at the wayside, you know? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Again, it's you know, the songs we sing. Do we just sing those songs because they're popular in the month and in the year? Are they just the go-to songs that are charting and all these things? Or actually, are these the songs that God likes? Are these the songs where we really feel the presence of God and where God is really pleased with the words that we're seeing and they line up with Scripture and they line up with who he is and what he has done for us? These are the standards, not, not standards that I make up. These are what are God's standards for our lives? What does it mean to truly follow Jesus and not to talk and compare our lives and benchmark our lives with other people? What does it matter what, you know, there's things I can learn from, but I mean, like, what does it matter what I'm doing? Like, God has called you. Even if I was the worst leader possible, right? And I'm sure there might be people in here that think I am, right? If I'm the worst leader that's ever existed, that shouldn't have changed how you walk with God. You can still walk a holy and a godly and a powerful Christian life in spite of me. I'm not trying to belittle the role of a leader. Look, leaders are important, right? Please, I'm not. But what I'm saying is it's not really about other people, that much is really about me and God. It doesn't matter if other people are doing all this other thing. And, you know, as a, as a teenager in youth, you'd see so many other youth that are doing the, you know, having sex with other people or doing all this stuff and getting away with it. But it's not about getting away with it. It's about what has God called for my life? I don't really care what other people are doing. What has God called me to do? And what's the conviction of God on my life? And am I walking in obedience to that? It's not about these other things and other people and these other rationales and bending things and moving things around as to justify it. It's really just what, what does God say? And am I obeying that or am I not? And if, I, if God doesn't like it, am I getting rid of it? If God likes it, am I continuing in it? Do you know what I mean? It's these things. You know, I know this isn't a, um, a glamorous or, or like a sexy message or anything like that, but I really believe that these things, they are, they are character forming. When we have these values in our life and we write them down, I'd really encourage you, write these things down. Whether you're single, whether you're in a family, it doesn't matter. Write these things down where you have a few fundamentals in your life. You know what? These are pillars that won't be moved. These aren't up for debate. These aren't up for compromise. These are things that I want to carry out in my life. If I can invite um, Tom up. And this is how, in, in these things, this is how we build longevity in the Christian life. 
I don't want to be standing here and 30 years from now be away from God or, or at the same place where I am now. I want, to, I want to grow and mature in my faith. I want, to, I want it to be where in 10, in 20, in 50 years' time, that we can say not only have we run this race, but we've run it well. We've run it well, that our faith, it didn't just start bright, but it's shining brighter and brighter and brighter as we've gone on. It hasn't just fizzled out over time, but it's become a greater and a stronger and a more powerful thing in our lives and a more powerful testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives when we have chosen to follow him. I always remember that verse in Matthew 4:19 when Jesus said, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's interesting. He said, he said you just follow me and I will make you. Uh, you follow me and I'll be the one that molds you. I'll be the one that shapes you. I'll be the one that molds you into, the very, into, the, into the, that workmanship that it said about in Ephesians 2. I will then start being at work in you. I'll start going to work in and on your heart and on your character and on your life. You just follow me and I will make you a fisher of man. What a wonderful promise that is, that Jesus will do all of this for us when we choose to definitively and absolutely follow him. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could look around this church and look around this room years from now and we could look at each other and go, do you know what, we didn't, we didn't give up the faith. We didn't allow compromise to come in. We didn't, we didn't get let go of those values that we held so close to at the beginning. But actually they became more and more grounded and more steadfast. And our love for Jesus grew more and more and more. And our, our depth and our maturity in God and our walk with God went deeper and deeper. And the fruit of God in our life has been evident and there is testimony after testimony after testimony of God working in and through my life because I've been obedient and I follow Jesus and I haven't I haven't dissuaded from that I haven't substituted that I haven't watered that down you know there's a verse that I really reminded of yesterday in Psalm 119 verse 32 and it's David he says I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart in other words you can say, I make this vow unto the Lord. You know what? I have these, I have these values. I, have these, I know there are things in my life. Maybe as I'm speaking now, you've really felt the Lord convict you in certain areas. Maybe it's convicting to get rid of something. Maybe it's convicting in terms of, you know, carry on doing that. Carry on. Don't let go of that. But it says that, David says, I'll make this vow. I'll, I'll run this course because I know you'll enlarge my heart. In other words, I know you will give me capacity to fulfill that which I vowed. You will give me strength. You will give me the, the capacity. You'll give me the stature to actually carry out that which I'm committing. Because I can't commit these things in my own strength. I can't, we can't do this just because we're some great people. But it's actually, when we commit these things to the Lord and we sincerely mean it, He will enlarge our hearts. He will give us capacity to fulfill that which we have vowed to the Lord. So in this time now, maybe later today, maybe it's in the week, but I'd really encourage, spend some time, seek God and write those things down that you know God is calling you to have as foundational pillars in your life. And then commit that to God. And you can commit that to God in prayer and you know he will enlarge your heart and he will carry out what that which you have, you have vowed to the Lord, that he will do that work in you when you commit that to him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.